Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discussed replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. Well, today we are going to be having a very up-to-date, exciting discussion with my friend and colleague, Dr. Corey Liao. He is with Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. And just last week, the FDA gave full approval to Lecambi, Lecanumab, which is the second medication that has received an FDA review. Previously, about a year or so ago, Aduhelm or Aducanumab was evaluated by the FDA and given some conditional approval at the onset with the requirement that patients participate in clinical trials, as this was through an accelerated pathway. But now we have another medication with, with less restriction in the approval. And today we're going to be talking about making sure Alzheimer's is diagnosed for people who need this medication, but also making sure that the right people get the medicine, and how is the medical community going to react to what may be a sudden surge in quite a few folks who are interested in this new novel treatment. So thank you for joining us again, Dr. Corey Leoa. You support us as a guest many times, and you've been keeping an eye on this FDA approval, so I appreciate you joining me this evening on The Body Show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Now, I want to start right with Lacambi. This is one of the things that potentially people call it a game changer medicine. This could be something that hopefully, you know, maybe it's the holy grail starting to slow the progression if taken in early stages of Alzheimer's. People who hear that they have this memory condition often are very concerned because by the time they get diagnosed, there may not be some medications that can truly in some ways modify the illness or its course. Tell me about lecanumab. Well, lecanumab is really the first drug of its kind uh, that has clear evidence that it can slow cognitive decline in people with early stages of the Alzheimer's disease. It's very exciting because this is the first drug that has a full approval that we're actually targeting the actual pathology of the disease instead of just treating it symptomatic. So... Um, you know, and the fact that the FDA have granted um, full approval uh, means that, uh, you know, coverage, Medicare, uh, can start covering the cost of treatment for patients, making it more widely available. Um, so this is really uh, exciting for somebody like me who does uh, clinic all day. Uh, just today in my clinic, I have uh, four patients ask me about Lakembi. And, uh, you know, it's, it's really exciting for me because, uh, for my patients, because now we have options. You know, for years, um, you know, in the 30 years of doing neurology, um, you know, we, all, we only have symptomatic treatment. You know, we did have aducanumab that had accelerated approval um, in 2021, but obviously uh, without a full approval, the coverage is not there. So uh, this is an exciting time indeed uh, for my patients and uh, who wants options. How is this medication different than the Aduhelm that was given the conditional approval back in 2021? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so, um, so the way that I explain it to my patient is that uh, aducanumab and uh, lecanumab are sort of like cousin, you know, so um, you know, they both works. Uh, they both are monoclonal antibody. They both works on the same pathway, which is the uh, amyloid pathway. 
but they work, both work on different points in a pathway. You know, so they both work to uh, inhibit the clumping of that bad protein, what we call amyloid proteins. So aducanumab or aduham blocks the second phase of aggregation, while lecanumab binds the protofibrils at the elongation phase. You know, so they kind of like blocks in blocks the pathway in different uh, a different point, but they kind of like cousin. So they're both monoclonal antibody. Monoclonal means they both come from uh, a common cell line. Antibody means it attacks certain things in the body. In this case, it attacks the bad uh, amyloid proteins that is so that is associated with uh, Alzheimer's disease. So um, they are very similar, but there are certain differences. Uh, for example, um, just looking at um, uh, some of the results. Uh, 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 Educanumab uh, had 22% uh, improvement in the cognitive, what we call the CDRSB, or cognitive um, clinical dementia rating, while lecanumab actually had 26% uh, improvement, um, you know, compared in the uh, 18 month of the trial. And also there's a little bit slight difference in the uh, reduction in what we call the amyloid load or the bad protein loads in the brain, while aducanumab had 75% reduction in the amyloid load, while lecanumab had 93%. But the main difference that we really uh, are really excited about is really these, the area or the side effects, or what we're also concerned about, the area stands for amyloid-related imaging abnormalities, A-R-I-A. You know, so those are the swelling that could occur or the small, small uh, bleeding that could occur in the brain, um, you know, as the uh, medication uh, changes the permeability of the uh, vessels. In aducanumab, it happens in about 30%, while lecanumab happens in 17%. So there are three major differences between the two. Do you think that some of those differences are the reason why the Lacambi received a less restrictive approval? Because it's also sort of a novel breakthrough therapy in a way, but are those three elements part of the reason why there was not such a problem with approval with this particular medication? You know, the FDA approval process is very, uh, very complicated, and, and no one can really know for sure. What we know is that in the... Um, in a phase three study that involved 1,795 uh, patients on lecanumab uh, in a multi-center randomized double-blind placebo-controlled trial, you know the study did show that um, there was a statistically significant and clinical meaningful reduction of decline from baseline uh, compared to the 18 months uh, for patients that were on the lecanumab compared to placebo. Um, you know, so for some, uh, and these are data that FDA accept, you know, and, um, you know, I, I, there's obviously always be controversies and, uh, you know, there's both sides pulling the patient advocacy group, you know, wanting drugs, wanting options, you know, and then the, uh, the payers wanting to make sure that uh, they're good stewards, there are um, the resources available. 
and obviously clinicians like myself and you uh, who are worried about what what do I, my patients are going to get and how do I make sure that they're safe? You know, so there are so many players uh, in this field. And um, I think what's important, um, Dr. Kozak, is, uh, you know, all these players need to get together and uh, work together, you know. And um, I, I am just excited at this opportunity, this point in time where uh, things are happening. And as opposed, I'd rather have things happening. And with, even though there could be some conflict, there could be some uh, uh, debate, but at least my patients have choices, have options, and we can work that out. We, I, I believe that we're a great, uh, we're a great community that can work this out. All right, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Corey Liao of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience and talk about what particular patients would be candidates for this medication and how are those potential risk stratifying ways that we're looking at, who gets to try it and who gets to try it first. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributors, Bavarian Motor Experts, and Chaminade University. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I'm here with Dr. Corey Liao. He is the founder and head of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience and one of the leaders in looking at Alzheimer's dementia here in the state. And in fact... Dr. Liao, correct me if I'm wrong, you were one of the only centers that was doing some of the clinical trials with the use of aducanumab as part of the requirement when this got approved in 2021 to be able to offer this to patients. So there's already an established history that your particular clinic has with looking at these novel therapies and trying to figure out who is it most appropriate for and how do we position this in the arsenal of treatment for Alzheimer's disease. Now, you mentioned that, you know, sometimes things happen after we approve a medicine and we need to have this team-based collaborative approach. So when you look at the team that you have in place, who needs to be on that team in order to evaluate a patient to determine if they're a candidate for this therapy at all? Well, we are really very fortunate, uh, Dr. Kozak, because uh, our Hawaii patients uh, uh, have access to this even as far back as 2019 uh, to be on Lacambi uh, on the initial uh, clinical trial or part of the Clarity clinical trial. And I cannot be more proud of uh, the people that are involved in Hawaii, you know, really step up to the plate. Uh, when I looked at the database for the Clarity trial, um, there was uh, one, uh, there were patients with native Hawaiian or Pacific Islanders or patients on Asian background. That really represented an underrepresented minority population, you know, so I, am, I cannot be more proud of uh, our team and also our patients in the Ohana who have given so much to be part of this trial and because of the effort, uh, it really did, um, I believe, contributed uh, to the effort to get the FDA full approval. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, what's important to our team is making sure that we have the right people. You know, first of all, the most important player that I see is people like yourself, Dr. Kozak, you know, you are out there, the primary care and the geriatrician who are out there seeing the patient firsthand, you know, um, 
is to work with the primary care, the referring physician, the family practice physician, you know, to equip you uh, with the tools uh, to uh, uh, to at least um, you know bring up the conversation about memory loss. You know, uh, obviously, not all memory loss uh, are concerned. Not all atrophy are concerned. You know, um, and then but if there's concern, to send it to the specialist, and from that point on, the neurologist would dive into the MRI, would dive into the symptoms. And uh, if there's any questions, then we'll take it to the next level. Then we'll go for the biomarker sampling uh, in the CSF. Uh, we have also already um, sending our patients for PET imaging, MLI PET imaging, uh, in the California facility that we work with. Um, and then obviously uh, to provide them with the options that, uh, that best suit them. Uh, whether it is just a lifestyle changers, uh, we have uh, a, a full-time uh, brain health lifestyle physician uh, because drug is not always the answer. So um, Dr. Paul Smith, we're so fortunate to have him uh, as part of the wellness, uh, just working on the lifestyle and the wellness aspect. And then obviously uh, we will and then uh, for patients that may uh, want approved drugs, uh, you know, we provide that option. And obviously patients that want to opt for disease, uh, potentially disease-modifying drug, uh, research is still very much an option. Um, and we're very, uh, very fortunate uh, to have options for our patients who no longer have to travel to the mainland um, for really this um, research option. So... Now, you mentioned that your center participated in the Clarity clinical trial, and that was looking at the potential for Lecambi even prior to approval in trying to determine is this efficacious for, for patients who have been diagnosed with Alzheimer's. So let's sort of assume that on your team or on the team of the patient, someone already has given them the question about memory. So they're doing a memory analysis, a primary care provider, geriatrics provider, uh, someone who, who is understanding that there's some memory concerns. So they may identify that a patient has some memory issues. Right. The next step would be, okay, we need to consider other possible causes. So you mentioned earlier brain imaging. So trying to determine you know, not all memory loss is related to Alzheimer's disease. There may be other causes. There could be some vascular issues. There could be, you know, brain tumors. There could be other space-occupying right. lesions or previous right. uh, multiple evidence of head trauma, et cetera. So there could be some other reasons. So that can be coordinated. That workup can be coordinated with the primary care provider or the geriatric specialist and the neurologist. And then it sounds like once there's enough of a concern regardless of whether or not the idea is let's treat with medication, let's treat with the newer intravenous lecambi, let's treat with other types of lifestyle changes. You know, there's a whole team-based approach on how to meet the patient where they're at to help them determine what makes the most sense for them. As you mentioned, not everybody might be a candidate for this medication, and in some cases they may not they may not be someone who is interested in it. So it sounds like there's got to be this initial evaluation and the referral and then a comprehensive discussion, not just with the patient, but with their loved ones and family to really assess, is this the right path for them? Because it may not be for everybody. Yeah, exactly. Just like this week alone, I had two patients that came in to see me 
who actually turned out not to have Alzheimer's dementia. It turned out they had water in the brain on a condition that we call normal pressure hydrocephalus accumulating. And uh, I was able to, um, you know, send them to neurosurgery to evaluate because putting a shunt in this patient could actually reverse the uh, the dementia, you know. And conversely, um, you know, uh, I also just today I had another patient who is on a different clinical study that uses um, uh, looking at altering the glucose metabolism in the brain uh, to try to reduce the uh, amyloid buildup. And and Lecambi or aducanumab may not be the right because this patient have what we call Alzheimer's disease with vascular component. And, um, you know, they have diabetes and they have, so not everybody is going to be, uh, the Nocambi is not going to be the right treatment for everyone. You know, uh, we really want to uh, look at the MRI, look at the whole patient, look at what other comorbidities there are. You know, um, there are studies that are targeting specific uh, for mixed dementia, uh, for Alzheimer's and vascular dementia, there are studies that uh, may target a uh, 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 tau pathway. There are studies that may target a synaptic plasticity pathway. Um, there are studies that are targeting a little bit further along. Uh, Lecambi is indicated for early, um, you know, mild Alzheimer's or mild cognitive impairment. You know, there are studies that are targeted for more moderate dementia where the dendrites and the neurons have already degenerated you know, um, and it's too late to try to uh, declumping all the amyloid. And uh, so then I have several patients who are really in moderate dementia, and we put them in a study that try to regrow dendritic aberization, try to uh, try to regrow some of the neurons, you know. And so there are different studies targeted to different um, aspects, and uh, it is it is such an exciting view, uh, Dr. Kozak, and uh, such a privilege and honor that we get to um, be in this time and uh, today to, 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 to take care of our patients. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. You're listening to The Body Show. When we come right back, we're going to continue our discussion with Dr. Corey Leo of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience, and we're going to talk about the value of clinical trials and if that is giving us some information that can really help the next generation of medical providers to know what therapies are the best for different individuals. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Support for The Body Show comes from the HPR Local Talk Show Fund, which helps Hawaii Public Radio sustain and grow its locally produced talk shows. Mahalo to contributor Hastings and Pleadwell, a communication company. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and Dr. Corey Leo of Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience is on the line. And we are talking today about the new FDA approval of Lecambi and how this is affecting the current way in which we approach the diagnosis and management of serious conditions like Alzheimer's disease. Now, right before the break, you were talking a little bit about how clinical trials are being done for a variety of different stages of Alzheimer's and for mixed dementia, which is Alzheimer's with potentially a vascular component or other other factors that could be affecting brain health. Now, in your, in your practice, in your work, how important do you think clinical trials are to help to further the knowledge about how medications are working? 
Well, without clinical trials, we will not have Lacambi. Without clinical trials, we will not have Aduham. We will not have better treatment. Let's just put it this way. So um, credit goes to the thousands and thousands of patients who are willing to take part in clinical trials. Just to give an example, in 2022, there are 143 Alzheimer's drugs in the pipeline that are undergoing clinical trials involve 50,575 participants worldwide. And uh, out of this 143 drugs, um, 83 are what we call disease-modifying drug, either as biologic or small molecules. You know, so these drugs are really the future. You know, I see them being used at some point, you know, in combination, whether it's targeting the amyloid, targeting the tau, targeting the glucose, targeting targeting inflammation, immunity, neurotransmitter. You know, without patients being willing to participate, we will never uh, have the chance to find out if something works or doesn't work. So uh, thank you. Thank you to the many hundreds of patients um, uh, in Hawaii and abroad uh, and their families who are willing to be part of the clinical trials to help not only uh, their own families but also the future generation in providing us with the opportunity to develop better, better, better drugs. From a broad-based perspective, can you explain how clinical trials are done? I think sometimes people hear about trials and feel like, oh, is this an experiment? I don't know if I want to be the, the focus of just trying something out that you know nobody knows what will happen. But there's actually a structure to clinical trials, and I think not everybody is familiar with that. Can you give sort of a general overview of what clinical trials do and how, how someone might enroll in that? Yeah, yeah. So clinical trials um, basically is um, the opportunity for, um, uh, for someone to participate in a research treatment that is not yet approved, not yet proven, you know, so the way that I present to um, our patient is just an option. You know, uh, we can uh, obviously we present our options, whether it's approved treatment, uh, uh, lifestyle changes, and not everybody is suitable. You know, so um, as long as clinical trial, there's also the downside and the upside. The way that I explain to them, you know, obviously the downside is number one, it's not proven. You know, it's still in a study. The second thing they need to understand is that there is the placebo component. Placebo means not the real drug. That's the only way. Some patients will be on the real drug. Some patients will not be on the real drug. So if you want to participate in a clinical trial, you have to understand that you may or may not be on the real drug. You know. And then the third, uh, third thing that I explain to my patients, there's some commitment because part of our job as investigator, clinician investigator, should monitor the safety of the drug, to monitor the side effects of the drug. So they need to follow up. They have some commitment to return to the clinical tra- clinical research center to check the blood, check the EKG, to go through exams. And these are commitments that patients uh, in clinical trials are willing to take. You know, just today I had a, uh, a delightful couple uh, who is in a clinical trial for Alzheimer's, and um, they, they were saying that 
boy, you know, I had to plan my cruise around your clinical trials, you know, so this delightful couple is retired, but they, they, they have to be back here every three months uh, to, to undergo uh, the checking, the monitoring of the clinical trial, and they're just planning their life around that. They went on a cruise in Europe, uh, and then they're back, you know, uh, now today. So there is some commitment uh, to be um, in a clinical trial, and obviously they have to understand that the medicine is uh, uh, not yet approved. It's still a study medicine, you know, uh, but with the understanding that uh, uh, there are already patients who are oftentimes who are part of many centers participating in clinical trials. So, um, you know, there's some good, obviously there's some good data to suggest that it could benefit, it could, it could work, you know, but also with the understanding that uh, if it doesn't work, the FDA will remove it, or if there's something dangerous about the drug, FDA will remove it. So they have to be, understand that, um, you know, uh, there are certain uncertainties with clinical trials you know, but um, but without patients, without participating, without clinical trials, you know, uh, we would not have uh, better treatment. So um, our gratitude and our uh, uh, certainly uh, our gratefulness are to their families, especially who takes the time to to bring them uh, to the clinical trials. Uh, once again, um, you know. Uh, we want to express our gratitude and the people uh, who are involved in clinical trials. Well, and I think you brought up a, a really good point, which is, you know, you don't know if you're getting the medicine or not, but that's from the patient perspective and also from the investigator perspective. So you don't choose yourself if you're running a clinical trial who gets the medicine and who doesn't. That's sort of the part of what they call randomization. So it's right. not... No, nobody's going to be able to take a look before there's a analysis done of the research to let somebody know are they actually getting the medicine or not. It's it's a random selection, which is part of the beauty of the information we get from it. Exactly, and and that's uh, you know we have to let the patients know that look it it, it may not help you because you could actually be on placebo, you know um, and. Uh, but, you know, thankfully, um, patients that are on clinical trial, um, they understand that, and um, their motivation often is to, at least I can do something for other people, you know, at least I can contribute, uh, you know. So um, we are so fortunate because we, um, you know, our patients are so giving and so gracious, uh, giving of their time and um, their family's time. To, to participate, you know, um, but they certainly have to understand that uh, the clinical trial may actually not help them at all. It could be on placebo, and uh, like you say, it's it's just random. You know, I, I don't get to I don't get to say, oh, uh, you know, uh, let's put this patient. I don't get to decide. You know, um, so that's just how clinical trials are run. Well, and the other aspect of that is you mentioned earlier that you know the Lacambi had actually been studied since 2019 through the Clarity clinical trial. So in some cases, you may not see an improvement of that medication, but in other cases, you may get early access to something that we find out later after doing an analysis of the research that it actually does 
significantly in this case delay the progression of the clinical aspects of dementia based on the score that you were looking at. And it, you said a 26% improvement after 18 months of use. So potentially someone could get earlier access to medication. Exactly. And the way that I usually um, present it uh, to the patient is, yes, you could be on the placebo. You know, there's how, however many percent, 50%, you know, uh, 25%, you could be on placebo. But twenty, but 75%, you could be on the drug, or 50% is usually better than 0% if you're not on, on nothing. Well, it's definitely a very important point, and I want to thank you for all the work that you do at Hawaii Pacific Neuroscience. I want to thank Dr. Corey Liao for all of the clinical trials he's participated in and continues to do so as the principal investigator and all of his team. I want to thank him for sharing his expertise with us today here on The Body Show about Lakambi. If you'd like to hear this show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org. You can follow the links to The Body Show You can also find us on the HPR app. Our engineer is David Chong. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. We will continue to bring you the latest on what we hear about in the world of medicine. And we'll see you again next week right here on The Body Show every Monday. We'll see you then.